This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is David Lynn, Senior Vice President for Financial Services with Farm Credit Mid-America. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Syngenta. See how we're focusing on our one planet with six commitments. See the Good Growth Plan at www.goodgrowthplan.com. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. The outlook for lower commodity prices and yet another big drop in net farm income will provide a sobering test for farmers' marketing skills and their ability to implement new risk management tools in the new farm bill. At the same time, farm lenders are facing an operating climate with smaller customer returns and expected to increase in interest rates, political challenges to new farm programs, and an uncertain tax code. The good news is that crop farmers are coming off a period of record returns that also brought growth and opportunity for ag lenders. David Lynn, Senior Vice President for Financial Services with Farm Credit Mid-America, says the cyclical nature of agriculture is unfolding, but believes the industry is better prepared for the downturn than in the early 1980s. The farm financial position of producers today is significantly different than it was in the 80s. They're going in with stronger balance sheets. Lenders have been more prudent and have understood the markets better. Many lenders in the 80s followed the market up, and unfortunately we followed the market down. In the 80s, many lenders have have looked at the production ability of of the farm operation itself. And in our case, at Farm Credit Mid-America, we place lending caps on on the productivity of the different soil types in, in the different counties, areas we serve. And so we protected or we're hedging against some risk there should we have a softening of land base. There's a couple of challenges that we see that I, for, for land values. First of all, commodity prices are lower. And then the second of all is this monetary policy and interest rates. With the lower commodity price and with the threat of higher interest rates, what do you see happening and is it a concern? It is a concern. Uh, one thing that we see... Clearly, as we've seen with the, with the federal government getting out of the bond buying business, uh, all predictions would say interest rates are going to rise. They've been somewhat slower than, than many would have anticipated. However, I think all lenders would conclude and agree we expect to see the rates rise in the next 6 to 12 months. Uh, in, in considering that, we look, we like to talk with our producers and look for opportunities to hedge against those rising rates. And an example would be to be sure that producers uh, finance their their assets on the correct terms uh, and, and use fixed rates in doing that. One of the challenges, the problems we had in the 80s was most, most lenders offered only short-term uh, adjustable or, fi- or short-term fixed rates. Most of them were variable. And so when rates rose, and we saw many uh, get in the upper teens, even near the 20% level, the a consumer or the producer had no way to hedge against that. At today's rates, market rates have been so attractive and are at really historical lows that it's, it's, we feel it's a wise tool for a producer to take advantage of using those fixed rate opportunities today to fix that intermediate long-term debt. And therefore, when rates do rise, they've hedged against that. I think a lot of folks who aren't associated with agriculture still have this picture of the American Gothic. When we talk about the American farmer, there's ma and pa in front of the stable with the pitchfork. In reality, the core producer that you work with, and while you do work with a lot of producers, the core producer is a lot different than that picture on the wall. 
Oh, that's correct. Even though the core producers are still family farms of the majority, you know, they're much more advanced in terms of, of how they approach the market today. I feel technology has offered the opportunities for them to not only uh, increase the productivity from the, the varieties they choose in terms of improving yields, they've done a better job at marketing. A lot of tools are available there. Networks such as, as your network provide educational information on, to these producers. And so they've got better tools to use today. Additionally, lenders, I believe, and we, we try to, to make sure we, we want to have a relationship with our customers. We want to help them understand the risk associated with the, with the operation and how we can help them minimize that risk. Is it safe to say you're lending more money to fewer people? That would be correct. That, that would be an accurate statement. Although in our association, uh, we have roughly 100,000 customers in the four states. And many people would, would I guess, would be shocked or, to know that there are that many producers in the, in the four states we serve. However, our, our, our common customer varies significantly across the board. It's everyone from that uh, small family farm operation that they want a lifestyle to live in a rural area and, and, and have their children grow up associated with the farm, a rural life, as well as the large commercial producer. When we think about the money that's involved in the business and the capital that it takes to run agriculture, in retrospect, we're about a year into this farm bill. What's your observation of the policy that Congress approved, the president signed, the USDA is implementing, and what are the balance between those risk management tools and crop insurance? Well, I think when you look at the tool first, Jeff, uh, there's several things to be remember and consider. Number one, it's a five-year farm bill. So when producers look at the options within the farm bill and choose what they sign up for, they, they recognize or need to recognize they're signing up for a five-year period. The farm bill on first sight would appear to be very complicated, but in all actuality it was designed to help simplify and help a farmer align his risk management strategies to his operation. And, and the other piece of the farm bill, the thing to note, important, in this farm bill, there's less emphasis put on subsidies for the producer and more on crop insurance. The farm bill in itself is a shallow piece of filling the, the void there if we, have, if we have a disaster. One thing we've seen, Jeff, more producers are buying an, up at a higher level on their crop insurance. Uh, as an example, many that were at 75% coverage level previous in previous years are looking at the, at the 80 or 85% level this year. We think that's prudent. Is there a greater demand by you and perhaps other lenders that producers have crop insurance or other risk management in place to make sure you get paid back? Well, certainly we encourage it. That's just the key to good management. A producer looks at the income or the profit and loss of an operation. Crop insurance helps answer the question of risk, and that's one of the things that we as a lender are, are interested in. We want to be sure that our producers are exercising the management actions that would help them manage risk. We want them to we want to be in it for the long haul for the producer. We want them to be able to be be able to do that as well. 
When I think about the balance between the risk management tools and crop insurance, and then I watch the news today of the president's budget that would take $16 billion out of the crop insurance program, and then I look at legislation that is being introduced that would put a means test, a cap, if you will, on the taxpayer subsidy portion of crop insurance. I know Farm Credit sells crop insurance. How do you see the president's plan or that legislation how would, it, how would it affect the crop insurance industry? How would it affect producers? Would it affect their ability to get operating capital? Well, clearly, Jeff, it would have a significant negative impact on, on the producer and the industry as well. Uh, we've already talked about the fact that we're going to have lower commodity prices. We've got increased input costs. Margins are going to be tighter. Many producers finding it tough to pencil out even a break-even uh, position. So if you if you follow what the president is proposing, and we have we lose some of the subsidies on the crop insurance premium, the producer is going to have to pay that additional premium. We're we're talking about adding cost to an operation that is already suffering uh, and struggling to find ways to break even as it is. Would it only hurt the small producer or the one financially strapped, or would it put a greater percentage of the industry at risk, or no effect at all? I think it would impact all. You know, again, it, it's uh, we're talking about a significant uh, decisioning tool producers use when they're analyzing how to manage risk of their operation. And if if the cost of the premium gets to the point that that they feel like it's it's more than they would be willing to invest in that operation, they'll look for other ways to to manage that risk, which may not always be best. Some of the antagonists of crop insurance seem to suggest that the taxpayer is subsidizing an industry that's making money hand over fist. Uh, you know, that's really, uh, it, it's something that many people don't see the big picture. And just to be truthful, it misunderstand agriculture. Uh, the investment required, the capital required for a producer to be in business today is beyond most people's imagination. It, it's extremely high. The returns that the producer has today, in our estimation, is clearly been what is needed to keep this the ag economy sound. How does the drought of 2012 tell the story of crop insurance, or does it? It, it certainly does, Jeff. And using our example of Farm Credit Mid-America, our customers who had crop insurance, 93% of those customers had a claim during following the, the, the year of 2012. And... Absent of that, in my opinion, it would have been basically a, uh, a depression, would create a depression in the ag economy. When I think about this new farm program, there are those who are concerned that with the PLC coverage, we might again see producers marketing and making planning decisions based on a government program as opposed to the marketplace. Do you see that? I, I really don't. Uh, actually, the majority of the producers we've talked with, we've seen fewer, much fewer than I, many would have expected go with the PLC. It's just something that we, we think many of the producers, they're looking at, at what the uh, probability of payout within the plan would be during the five-year period. And there's a lot of unknowns. Uh, you know, we're still in the discovery period right now for corn and soybeans during this month uh, for this year. And so... You know, there, there's many unknowns that I venture to say uh, we don't see that. I was told by one of the leaders of the farm equipment uh, industry at the National Farm Machinery Show that there is a three-year supply of used farm machinery in the country. 
Is that a real issue, and how is that affecting bottom lines overall? Well, it, it's a real issue, I think, for manufacturers and for equipment dealers. Uh, clearly, uh, many producers have, have used the opportunity in the last four or five years to upgrade. Uh, probably most producers are sitting as well equipped today from the, the equipment line that they've been many in their, in their, their history, their, their careers. Uh, we have seen producers, however, that have taken a position to be, the, the, the position to wait and see what happens. And so there will be opportunities for many of those to purchase a lot of good used equipment that's gone on the market recently. Many in the industry also were challenged this past year, and producers would have said the lack of Section 179 and the advanced depreciation made it difficult for them to make tax planning. Do you see that as a one-year problem, or is that an issue that isn't just affecting lenders but producers and ag industry? Jeff, I, I think it's more than a one-year problem. I I think with the focus that... that uh, our federal government has had on on uh, the tax issues and the revenue. Uh, clearly, anything such as 179 deduction is, is going to come under the scrutiny. I think of those that would, would that, as you mentioned earlier, would feel that the producers got an edge and 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 is faring much better than many would say. So it is a concern. We uh, we think it's very important that the 179 deduction remain in place and certainly would support. Uh, legislation that would do that. If we handed you a tax writing pen, not a pencil, if we handed you a tax writing pen, what are the things that you would want to correct to help agriculture, to help rural America? Well, I think uh, certainly 179 uh, would be would be one, uh, to have that clearly established where producers can plan and know uh, what they can do in terms of the deduction for that for their operations. Uh, secondly, you know, crop insurance, and we've we spoke very uh, uh, quite a bit about it in, in recent months and, and the last year when the farm bill was being put in place. But I think having a stable crop insurance policy or direction established by Congress there that would enable our producers to be able to make plans going forward. Uh, uh, clearly, we depend on American farmers to provide, you know, a nutritious, healthy, safe supply of food to our consumers that has the lowest disposable income that they have to spend for it of any country in the world. And, you know, the question to me would be, why not put in place those tools that would enable that to be something to continue? As we move to conclusion, the American Bankers Association is raising red flags about farm credit again. They're suggesting of misconduct. They're suggesting concerns about exponential growth. How do you respond to the challenges and about the way that farm credit does business? Well, Jeff, uh, it's unfortunate that we have have those discussions occurring. Uh, clearly, the Farm Credit Administration, as our regulator, uh, knows what system institutions do, the type of loans we make. You know, earlier I mentioned we have 100,000 customers in the four states. Uh, the majority of those customers are reside and live in these rural areas where the, the commercial banks and the American bankers serve. We would like to see more partnerships and working together with American Bankers Association. We have our association alone uh, has partnerships with several banks that we work together that uh, maybe the banks are serving a common customer, but for uh, capital reasons, 
you know, the, the size of that operation has grown, that they don't want to hold that risk on their portfolio. And it, and, and it works a great partnership with Farm Credit to pr- provide the products and services to that producer that maybe the commercial banks don't do, and, and a good working relationship for both of us. So truly, we, we feel there's a, a more reason to work together than there is to be opposed. They say you've grown too fast. No, we, we would definitely say that's not the case. From a perspective of the American Bankers Association, we're limited in terms of what we do. Certainly, we had some strong growth years during the peak agricultural economies. On the opposite side of that, or the downside, as that economy declines or as, as it becomes under pressure, then certainly you know, opportunities for farm credit system to grow will be under pressure as well. Our mission from the Farm Credit Administration, our regulator, is that our mission is to serve farmers and rural residents in our chartered territories. And clearly, our, we hold true to that mission and, and make sure we, we do everything we can to make sure that we're living up to the standards and, and abiding by the, the regulations as given. So let's go up to 30,000 feet. Two years ago, we saw net farm income fall, and now we've got projections for net income to fall again for American farmers. How are we doing? And what do you see for 2015 and beyond? Well, you know, as I mentioned earlier, farmers going into this downturn have got much stronger balance sheets. Uh, they've got more liquidity. They're, they're not as leveraged as it were. Uh, we're very optimistic about the future of agriculture and our producers. Uh, you know, we began, uh, Jeff, it's, as an example, we began a program called uh, Growing Forward, and it's designed to help young, young beginning farmers. And some of the interactions we've had with those producers and watching them work with their, uh, their families has been very encouraging to let us see that the future of agriculture is bright. And clearly, Farm Credit System, uh, we intend to be there to lend for those people for the next 100 years. Well, David, this is called Open Mic, and we conclude by me not asking a question but handing you the microphone. I just want to thank you for the opportunity to share what we see in, in the big picture of the horizon for agriculture. Uh, Farm Credit MidAmerica uh, serves, as I said, the, the uh, customers in Kentucky, Tennessee, Ohio, and Indiana. Uh, we're celebrating our 100th anniversary next year, and uh, we, we are very optimistic about the future of agriculture, about the future of our customers, and couldn't be more pleased to be involved in, in the, one of the most uh, bountiful areas to preserve farmers in, in the Midwest here and uh, certainly look forward to the opportunity to uh, serve our customers going forward. Our thanks to David Lynn, Senior Vice President for Financial Services with Farm Credit Mid-America, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Syngenta. See how we're focusing on our one planet with six commitments. See the Good Growth Plan at www.goodgrowthplan.com. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Alley.